بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشراف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد We are continuing with our look at some of the points of Sheikh Muhammad Bazmo's compilation entitled Laysa Min Minhaj Salaf. But this is not from the methodology of the Salaf. And now we'll be taking a look at the second point that the Sheikh mentions, that being Mu'amalatu Ahli Sunnah Treating or behaving or conducting oneself as it relates to the mistakes of the people of of the sunnah like the treatment that is reserved for the people of innovation meaning dealing with the people of sunnah on, uh, on account of their mistakes the way that one deals with the people of innovation. فَإِنَّ كُلَّ إِبْنِ آدَمْ أَخْطَأَ For indeed, every descendant of Adam makes mistakes. Thus, what is looked into is the methodology of the individual. And one treats the mistakes of the one who falls into uh, uh, into an error or mistake, he treats them or deals with them based off the assess or the foundations of that of that person's methodology, of that person's methodology. The treating of the people of Sunnah like the people of Bid'ah on account of a mistake that they make is from the methodology of a group that sprung up in fairly recent times. This group being referred to as the Haddadiyun or Al-Haddadiyah. This is their methodology. Their method, uh, methodology is predicated upon interacting with the people of Sunnah for mistakes, the way that one would treat or behave or conduct themselves with the way, with, with the people of innovation. Meaning, they, uh, make no differentiation between the two. They make no differentiation between the two. Now the appearance of this sect for the Sunni shouldn't be something that is shocking in light of the statement of the Prophet from the Hadith of Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan and this particular narration is collected by many by Imam Al-Lalaka'i in Sharh Usul I'tiqad Ahl Sunnati Wal Jama'ah by Ibn Abi Asim in his book as Sunnah and is collected by Abu Dawood and his Sunan and others. And it is the hadith that is dubbed Hadith al-Iftiraq or the hadith that deals with the splitting and the division amongst the ranks of the Muslims. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he stated, أَلَا إِنَّ أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ قَبْلَكُمْ تَفَرَّقُوا عَلَىٰ 
على اثنتين وسبعين فرقة في الأحواه He stated that alas the people of the book before you they separated into 72 sects upon desires على إن هذه الأمة ستفترق على ثلاث وسبعين فرقة في الأحواء كلها في النار إلا واحدة وهي الجماعة And this particular nation was separated into 73 sects upon desires All of them in the fire except one and it is, this one that is saved from the fire it is the Jama'a this particular narration, I believe, is well known to all of us. And it emphasizes the reality of the emergence of these varying groups. But within this particular narration, there is a threat for the separation or the division. And the threat is directly connected to two affairs. To two affairs. Separating from the jama'ah and the affairs of the creed or the i'tiqad of the Muslim and separating from the jama'ah as it relates to the ibadat of the Muslim or the acts of worship of the Muslim. That is what this threat the threat that's found in this particular statement of the Prophet sallallahu that, that's what is directly connected to. That's what is directly connected to. For this reason, when a Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymin, when he was asked about the distinguishing characteristics of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah, he mentioned four particular affairs. He mentioned one, the aqidah, the creed. Two, al-ibadat, the acts of worship. Three, al-mu'amalat, the business transactions and dealings. And four, al-akhlaq, the etiquettes and or mannerisms. And then the shaykh, he mentioned, now keep in mind, these are the distinguishing characteristics of Ahlul sunnati wal-jama'ah. While I was in Yemen, I, I asked a Sheikh Abdulaziz al-Bura'i. I stated, Ya Sheikh, is the minhaj of the Salaf, the methodology of the Salaf, does it comprise of these four affairs? These same four affairs that Sheikh Uthaymin mentioned to be from the Abraz al-Khasa'is, Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah. Sheikh Abdulaziz al Bura'i, he responded, Look, if you don't have these four affairs, you don't have Islam. If you don't have Aqidah, if you don't have Ribadat, if you don't have Mu'amalat, if you don't have Akhlaq, you don't have Islam. Alright? So, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al Uthaymin, when he was going through these distinguishing characteristics, he mentioned that if there is a breach in the first two, the aqidah and al-ibadat, then this breach expels an individual from being amongst ahlul sunnati wal-jama'ah. And if there is a breach in the last two, in business transactions and akhlaq, then it is not viewed by the scholars with the same severity as the first two. However, a person is deficient in that regard and he needs to correct himself. He needs to correct himself. For this reason, again, like I said, the threat that's found in that particular narration of separating from the Jama'ah it is directly connected to those two affairs, al-aqidah or al-ibadat. Now, the scholars, when explaining this particular point, they may explain it more than one way, but are actually all pointing to the same thing.
And so one of the ways that you hear it explained, if a person wills, he could say it, anyone like this, that anyone that opposes an asal, a foundation, min usul din a foundation from the foundations of the deen, then this is something that can expel an individual from Ahl al-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah, yani al-Salafiyun. So the question would be, in order for us to better understand it, what is an asal? What is an asal? Which is normally translated as foundation or fundamental principle or whatever. An asal is ma ejma'a alayhi ahlu sunnati wal jama'a. It is whatsoever ahlu sunnati wal jama'a have consensus regarding. Meaning they don't differ in, in this affair. And this is regardless if it's from the aqidah, it's from belief or action. Belief or action. So it's not just belief like some people think that you oppose the belief of Ahlul Sunnah, then you've opposed an also. No, there are some things, or some actions that are found with Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah that they have consensus on. There was never any differing in that regard. And so if someone comes later and opposes them in that, then they've opposed an asal. For example, when you go back to the works of the A'immah Salaf, some of them, their works are dealing with creed. Some, some of them will have within their books of creed, we believe Allah is above the, the, the heavens and the earth. We believe this. We believe that. And then they'll have within that book, and we believe in wiping over the kuf. Wiping over the kuf is an action. It's not from the affairs of creed. But because the Shia and others from amongst Ahlul Bid'ah opposed it, that's why you found them putting it in their works because it was a subject matter in which Ahlul Sunnah had consensus concerning. So, also again is whatsoever Ahlul Sunnah have consensus regarding. And what is intended by Ahlul Sunnah? Does anyone know? Who are intended by Ahlul Sunnah? Ascent. Who said that? Hey, the companions of the Prophet That's what's intended. So in layman's terms, that which the companions had consensus regarding, whoever opposes that, then he expels himself from the fold of the Sunnah or Salafiyya or however you want to word it. However you want to word it. Another way it's been explained, we have one of the Mashaykh in from the people of knowledge in Riyadh. Riyadh being a city in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. As Shaykh Abdulaziz as Sa'id, Hafidullah. He mentioned four particular things that would could expel an individual or that highlight that an individual has has left uh, traversing upon the methodology of the salaf the first thing he mentioned ida kana yuqimu dinahu wa minhajahu ala ghayri usul ahli sunnati wal jamaa if he erects his deen and his methodology upon other than the usul of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah, if his deen is built and based upon other than that aslan, 
then there's no way he could be Salafi and there's no way he would even be Muslim. This would be like the example of the NOI. They could say they're Muslim 20 times over. Their deen, their methodology is built upon other than the usul of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah. Their deen is built upon other than that. So there is no way possible, there's no way possible that anybody can say a person who truly follows the Qur'an and the Sunnah could say, Farrakhan is upon guidance. <laughs> it makes you laugh, right? When you really think about it, right? There's no way possible. This is a person that has a lack of understanding. If it's a person that comes here, he prays five times a day with us, he fasts the month of Ramadan with us, and does for so on, and he makes a statement like that, then he has to have a, mis a tremendous misunderstanding. Either of what the nation are really about, or what what Islam is really about, Aslan. And so that type of person should be taught. The second, إِذَا خَالَفَ أَصْلًا مِنَ الْأُصُولِ الْمَجْمَعَ عَلَيْهَا أَحْلُ السُنَّةِ أَوْ شَكَّ فِيهَا أَوْ نَفَاهَا Whoever opposes an asl, and we just explained what an, what, a, what an asl is. Whoever opposes an asl from the usul that is agreed upon by Ahlul Sunnah, yani the companions, or he has doubt in that regard, or he negates it, then this is a person that is not to be considered to be traversing upon the methodology of the Salaf. Because we as Muslims, we accept everything that Allah Ta'ala says. And we don't deny or have doubt in any of that. The third thing, if an individual he insults or reviles the methodology of the Salaf, or he insults or reviles or defames those that attribute themselves to this methodology on account of them establishing it. And that's really important because some people claim to be Salafi and they're being criticized for actions that are not, that they do that are not from Salafiya. That's not what's intended. If you have a group of people claiming to be Salafi, yet they have Kawai that oppose the methodology of the Salaf, every single case of a person making a mistake, they, they apply the same thing all across the board regardless of the condition of the individual, regardless of the understanding of the individual. And they say they're Salafi and, and people are being chased away from their masjid. And, and their masjid has the worstest reputation in the city. And thus forth and so on to criticize them, another Salafi, criticizing them would not be because of them erecting or establishing Salafiya. It's due to, their, the, the, the point of criticism is due to them, Yani, misconstruing Salafiya. And applying something other than that in the name of Salafiya. So that's not what's intended. What's intended is a, the, a person actually being upon the Sunnah and Salafiya, exemplifying it, and then a person coming and criticizing them because of their establishment of it. Because of their establishment of it. And this is because for a person that does that, this indicates or shows his lack of being pleased with this methodology. His lack of being pleased with this methodology. And at the head of those that exemplify the methodology of the Salaf in every day, uh, in every time period, would be the scholars of the Sunnah. And so if you find somebody defaming and reviling the scholars, 
This is why the scholars of the past said this. If you find someone insulting or reviling, the scholars and know that he's a person of innovation. Why? Because that's, the scholars are being defamed for no other reason than them establishing yani, the, the dean upon its true reality. They're not being criticized because this one is from Africa and that one is from Malaysia and this one is uh, has a short beard and that one's beard is almost down to his belly button. They're not being criticized and reviled for those types of things. They're being criticized and reviled, and reviled for them standing up and establishing the sunnah, the way that Allah Tabaraka wa ta'ala intends. So that's the third thing that the shaykh mentioned. And then the fourth, إِذَا ذُقِرَتْ إِنْدَهُ الْأَحْوَى فَلَا يَغْضَبْ بِشَيْءٍ مِنْهُ He states, If a thing of desires in opposition to the truth is mentioned, and the individual doesn't have any anger for that. He doesn't have any anger for that, for this, for something that is clearly in opposition to the truth. He's not angered if he sees that prevalent, or he's not angered if he sees that festering in a, in a community and developing in a community. Now the question would be, why is that? How is that something that would take that will cause a person to be considered out to be upon other than the methodology of the companions. There's two distinct reasons. One, this shows the lack of disapproval for falsehood. The lack of disapproval for falsehood. And the lack of... Uh, Forbidding that falsehood. And likewise it shows the absence of loving for Allah's sake and hating for Allah's sake. You may be angered with, with opposition. That doesn't mean you blow off the handle and do something irrational. That's not what's intended. Anger is an is a action of the heart. Right? And you could display that anger in a... In, in a um, in a negative manner or a positive manner. But the point here, that the point that's being made is that if this is the case, then these two things are implied. That one, there's no disapproval for that evil. And two, uh, the person is not loving for Allah's sake and hating for Allah's sake. And the, this is a distinguishing characteristic of the people of Sunnah. Yani, approval for, uh, having approval and being delighted with, for, uh, with the truth and having disapproval and forbidding that which opposes the truth. Allah Tabaraka wa ta'ala, He states, لُعِنَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ عَلَى لِسَانِ دَاوُودَ وَعِيسَى بَنِ مَرْيَمْ ذَلِكَ بِمَا عَصَوْ وَكَانُوا يَعْتَدُونَ He stated, Cursed were the were those that disbelieved from amongst the descendants of Adam, upon the tongue of Dawood and Isa the son of Mary, uh, as a as a result of them, as a result of their sinfulness and them transgress uh, transgressing do right do rights or transgressing boundaries. They would not forbid the evil that they used to do. And surely, uh, surely evil was that which they implemented or put forth. Any of actions. Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ali says, وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ بَعْضُهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءُ بَعْضٍ يَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْحَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَيُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةِ وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ وَيُطِيعُونَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ أُولَئِكَ سَيُرْحَمُهُمُ اللَّهِ Allah, he states, the believer, man and woman, are... Allies of one another. 
enjoining what is good and forbidding what is evil. This is a distinguishing characteristic. He mentions this first as it relates to the characteristics of the believers. They enjoin what's good and forbid what's evil. They establish the prayer and pay the zakat. They obey Allah and His Messenger. And as a result of that, they are those to whom which Allah will bestow His mercy. As a result of what they're putting forth. So these are some of the reasons that Shaykh Abdulaziz al-Sa'id, Hafidhullah Ta'ala, he mentions that if found with a person, then it is not correct to say that he is traversing upon the methodology of the Salaf. So, when, in light of that, then we want to go back to what was initially said. Treating the people of Sunnah, treating the Sunni, treating the Salafi, like the people, uh, the, uh, like the people of innovation on account of a mistake that a Sunni makes. That this action is from the actions or this uh, of the Haddadi, this sect that's, that for many is not different. Uh, people are not making a differentiation between them and the Salafi. Them and the Salafi. Now, we want to take a look at a little bit of the history of the Haddadiyya. The Haddadi, the Mu'assis, the one that originated this particular group, was an Egyptian brother by the name of Mahmoud al-Haddad. Mahmoud al-Haddad, hence you get the term or name Haddadi. It's, it's an attribution to him. He was a person that was affected by the methodology of the Khawarij while he was in Egypt. While he was in Egypt. Prior to him going to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So then he goes to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and he was in the Nejd. Specifically in Riyadh. And while he was in Riyadh, Shaykh Rabi mentioned that he spent seven years in Riyadh and he didn't sit with any of the virtuous scholars that were in Riyadh at that time from a Shaykh Abdulaziz bin Baz, uh, from uh, Bakr Abu Zaid and other of the ulama that were there at that time. Sheikh Saleh al-Fawzan, Sheikh Tuwajiri, he didn't sit with any of them. Then after seven years of being in Riyadh, he travels to Medina, where he puts on a face for the scholars in Medina. And the scholars of Medina, because of him, uh, pretending to be a certain way, some of the scholars of Medina gave him Teskia or recommended him. And that was before he really made manifest what he was really upon. And then he started to manifest what he was about. So him and his followers they will make defamation of some of the A'imma Salaf, like Ibn Hajr al-Asqalani, like Imam al-Nawawi, like Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, or Rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhim jami'an. They will make defamation of them and others due to mistakes that they had. And as we know, there's no one that's free from error. There's no one that's free from error. 
Ibn al-Qayyim was another one that they made defamation of. And thus forth and so on. And then they started to wage war against the scholars that were around at that time. And so they waged war against some of the major scholars of today, like Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, rahimahullah, like Sheikh Salih al-Suhaymi, hafizahullah, like Sheikh Muhammad ibn Rabi, the son of Sheikh Rabi, and Sheikh Rabi himself. They started to wage war against these scholars. Scholars that are clarifying the methodology of the Salaf and stood to confront them in their extreme uh, views and extreme methodology. So the Haddadiyya, they are those that yani, make tabdiyya or declare to be outside of the Sunnah and Salafiyya declare to be innovators, those who do not deserve such a ruling based off mistakes that they may have made. And as a result, they uh, attach them to the people of innovation as it relates to treatment, how they should be treated. Boycotting, burning of books, no salams, and thus forth and so on. And thus forth, and so on. As Sheikh Rabi, in an article that he has on his website entitled, Minhaj al-Haddadiyah, he mentioned 12 points against the Haddadis. Now I'm not going to mention all of the points. I'm going to mention five points. And these five points I'm going to mention for the specific reason that unfortunately here in the States we have people attributing themselves to the Sunnah and Salafiyya. Some being involved in Dawah, others not. Many not. They have adopted some of these five traits that I'm about to mention. It may not be in every circumstance, in every situation, but in some circumstances and situation, you see them exemplifying characteristics of a Haddadi and not a Salafi. And not a Salafi. And when I mention some of these points, for, for things that have been taking place within the last couple of years, I'm pretty sure some people will be able to point out, yeah, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. That sounds like what so-and-so did. And thus forth and so on. And Allah knows best. But from one of the points, Their hatred for the scholars upon the methodology of the Salaf today. And they're disrespecting them. And their declaration of them being ignorant. And their declaration of them being astray. And them inventing lies against them. And them inventing lies against them. Again, hatred for the scholars, for the Salafi scholars of today. And that doesn't mean that it's every single scholar of Salafi that they hate. It may be yani, a, a portion here or a portion there that they hate, that, they sh that if they're Salafi, they should have no hatred for these scholars, period. And then declaring, having disrespect for them, declaring them to be ignorant, uh, declaring them to be astray, and even inventing lies against them, yani slandering them. Slandering them. That's the first characteristic. The second, قَوْلُهُمْ their statement, the statement of tabdir or declaring to be an innovator, 
whoever falls into an innovation. Whoever falls into an innovation, if you did something else that is considered or perceived to be bid'ah, automatically, innovator. Khalas, that's it. Innovator. So-and-so is an innovator. And so, because of them having this characteristic, Ibn Hajar was an innovator to them. And more dangerous with them than Sayyid Qutub. Ibn Hajr al-Asqalani. For those that don't know, that's the one that has the famous explanation to Sahih al-Bukhari entitled Fatul Bari. That for any student that's trying to be serious, serious upon understanding the religion, then his library is not free from that book. And yes, there is some mistakes in it that the scholars point out. But none of the scholars have ever taken that approach with Ibn Hajar. With them, with them, Ibn Hajar is more severe and more dangerous than Sayyid Kutu. As they actually call for the burning of the books of Ibn Hajar. So that's the second characteristic. The third, تَبْدِئَ مَنْ لَا يُبَدِّئَ مَنْ وَقَعَ فِي بِدْعَةٍ Declaring to be an innovator, whoever does not declare to be an innovator, he who has fallen into bid'ah. Is that clear? In layman's terms, a person of the sunnah makes a mistake. The Hadadi automatically says, innovator. Then they turn to you. What's your position with so-and-so over there? And you say, he's a Sunni, Salafi. Then he returns and says, well, he fell into such and such, a bid'ah, or this mistake or that mistake. And then you say, okay, he's a Salafi that made this mistake. We don't accept that from him. Then they say, you're an innovator. That's what that means. That's what that means. You didn't declare that guy to be an innovator for that mistake? That means you're an innovator. Now I know we see this happening abundantly today. And there's no doubt about that. Just go to mash it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, the shaykh, he continues, so as a result of that, now they have hostility towards that person. And they wage war against that person. And that part, it is not sufficient with them. It is not sufficient with the Hadadi that that person says, because this would be a, this person acknowledging he has a mistake. There, it doesn't suffice him for, for you to acknowledge that the person has a mistake. Okay, he has some ashari tendencies with him. Doubt to the Hadadi is not sufficient. It is incumbent for you to say innovator, or else you're an innovator. And, ahi, wallahi, I had that happen to me. More than once. More than once. While overseas and back home. And so I know people have experienced this. And then years later, the person that they're talking about, they turn out to be wrong and none of them make toba. You cause all this, all these problems and hostility to months later or a year later or two years later to, to be found out to be Clearly wrong, and then you don't even lower your wing to believers that you was being hostile with and waging war against for your corrupt and incorrect understanding. Another point that the Sheikh mentioned, 
العداوة الشديدة للسلفيين مهما بذلوا من الجهود في الدعوة إلى السلفية والذب عنها. He states having hostility, severe hostility towards the Salafis, no matter how much efforts they put forth in da'wah. No matter how much efforts they put forth in da'wah to Salafiyyah and defense of it. And no matter if they struggle in combating Bida and his Bia and misguidance. Having severe hostility towards Salafis that stand up to defend the religion, to repel Bida, to repel misguidance, all because they had an opinion about a person that you didn't see eye to eye with them on. So now all your efforts, everything that you've done, that for the rational thinker proves your Sunniya and Salafiya, they dismiss all of that and hold hostility towards you and rancor towards you and encourage others from amongst them to have that same position and or opinion of you. So that's another characteristic that the Sheikh mentioned. And then the last from what I'm going to mention of what the Sheikh mentioned out of the 12 that he mentioned they're going beyond bounds as it relates to that man Mahmoud al-Haddad and claiming that he was far above in knowledge than the other scholars in order for them to to uh, achieve the dropping of the major scholars and raising him raising him to a level that that seemed to be above that seems to be above theirs he's the imam he's the sheikh sheikh al islam and thus forth and so on now these are five things out of the 12 points or characteristics that Sheikh would be mentioned. I forgot to look at what time I started again, alright? What time did I start? No. <clears throat> so these are five points out of the 12 points that Sheikh would be bought. Now, I want to go back to three of those points. I've been talking for 44 minutes? Time flies, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. So I want to go back to three of those points and be a little bit more detailed. Be a little bit more detailed. So, the point that Sheikh Rabi made when he said that they make or declare to be an innovator anyone that falls into innovation. Anyone that falls into innovation. This is not from the methodology of the Salaf. Why? Because in order for someone to be, to be declared to be an innovator, there are conditions that have to be in place and whatever will prevent that ruling from being sound, it will have to be removed. It will have to be removed. So just based off the mere fact that someone did an innovation does not necessarily mean that he's an innovator. And this is a point that the ulama commonly make. Sheikh al-Albani, when he was alive, he would have several statements in this regard. From Sheikh al-Albani, or rahmatullahi ta'ala, statements, he says, Wal-asl, wal-asl, the foundation, 
أَنَّهُ لَا يَجُوزْ تَكْفِيرُ الْمُسْلِمِ وَبِالتَّالِي تَفْسِيقُهُ وَبِالتَّالِي تَبْدِيعُهُ إِلَّا بَعْدَ إِقَامَةِ الْحُجَّةِ He says, and this is when he was dealing with declaring Muslims to be disbelievers, declaring Salafis to be innovators, and declaring someone to be righteous, to be a sinner, or fasiq, an immoral sinner. He states that the foundation is that it is not permissible to declare a Muslim to be a disbeliever, nor a Salafi to be an innovator, nor a Muslim to be a fasiq, unless and until the proof has been established. So what is understood by the proof being established is that if the proof is established, then the doubt that the person has fallen into that causes them to do that action, it has to be removed. It has to be removed. Meaning, the person has to understand and be ma- it has to be made clear to him that what he did was a mistake. Because simply presenting proof is not sufficient if you present something and he didn't understand what was intended by the proof. And so the doubt still remains. So simply establishing proof is not enough. He has to understand that he made a mistake. That is one of the conditions of takfir and tabdir. And there are other conditions, but this particular sitting is, is not the sitting for that. The point that's, that I'm making, though, is that, one, there are a lot of people that make mistakes that don't realize they fall into mistakes. Yet, these types, types of people will pass a ruling on them. And two, it emphasizes the, the statement that Sheikh al-Albani used to make quite often, كُلُّ مَنْ وَقَعَ that every individual that falls into bidah, it doesn't mean that bidah uh, is now, the hukum of bidah is now applied to him. Because there have some conditions that must be in place. He has to know what he's doing is wrong. Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala states, Rusulan, Mubashirina wa mundirina, li Allah yakuna lil nas ala Allahi hujjatun ba'dur rusul. The messengers, givers of glad tidings and warners, so that mankind, the people, will not have an excuse with Allah after the sending of the messengers. So they won't have an excuse. Meaning, the proof has to be established. Allah Tabaraka wa ta'ala states concerning those that will enter the hellfire. Kullama ulkiya fiha fawjun sa'alaha khazanatuha alam yatikum nadhir Every every time an individual enters into it a group a group enters it yani the fire a guard will say was there not sent to you a warner? And meaning, how did you end up here? How are you ending up in this place? A warner, didn't a warn, did not a warner come to you? They will say, of course, yes, a warner came to us, but we denied and we said that Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala did not send down to you anything. And antum illa fi dolalin kabir. You are upon nothing but major misguidance. This is what they would say. After this guidance has been made clear to them, they rejected it, denied it. And as a result, they earned a punishment for their denial. For their denial of the truth that they understood. That they understood. For this reason, Allah, He states, وَقَالُوا لَا كُنَّا نَسْمَعُوا أَوْ نَعْكِلُوا مَا كُنَّا مِنْ أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ If only we had listened and used our intellect, 
that we would not be from the inhabitants of the fire. Because the prophets and messengers established the proof. You have no excuse after that. In Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, He states, وَمَنْ يُشَاقِكِ الرَّسُولَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيِّنَا لَهُ الْهُدَى وَيَتَّبِعْ غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّى وَنُسْلِهِ جَهَنَّمَا وَسَاءَتْ مَصِيرًا And whoever contends with the messenger, when? After the guidance has been made clear to him. أُنظُرُوا يَعِبَادَ اللَّهِ Whoever has contention after the proofs have been established and the doubts have been done away, after the guidance has been made clear to him, and follows a path other than that of the believers, then we will leave him on the path that he has turned and we will burn him in a fire with an evil destination. So these are all proofs that the person has to understand. He has to know what he's doing is wrong. He has to know what he's doing is in opposition to the truth. And if not, how can you pass a ruling on him? Kafir, innovator, and thus forth and so on. And thus forth and so on. So these are some of the things that have to be in place, or one of the things that has to be in place when dealing with this issue, but th- just this condition alone, how many do we find acting haphazardly with Tabdi who innovated, you know, or the Khawadis who take Kafir, 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 and they're not looking in to the condition of the person that may be making a mistake. They're not even looking into that. They're not even giving the see. I thought the dean was Nasiha. The dean, the dean is not, oh, so-and-so just did that. Oh, he did? Oh, yeah, I'm not hanging with him no more. That's the dean? I thought the dean was a Nasiha. We see a brother doing the wrong. I don't go back and blab my mouth to another brother unless I feel that that brother is not going to respect my advice. So I'll go to brother so-and-so because he, he respects his advice. I saw brother so-and-so doing this. You should talk to him. Other than that, you go and advise your brother. Because we want to look for the best ways of rectifying people too. Just enjoining good and forbidden evil, in some cases you can cause a greater harm. So we want to look for the best ways of rectifying people. We don't want to tear down our brothers. We don't want to chase people away. And this is what... Yeah, I mean, something I, I don't understand, me being in Los Angeles, being, being in Los Angeles for years, hearing about people, so-and-so's office now, so-and-so's office now, so-and-so's office now. Why didn't the students get together with, with, with these brothers and go overseas and all sit with the scholars and just hash out the problems? It's just something, it's just as simple as that. Why is it brother so-and-so got to go overseas by himself and take a bunch of malahadah and don't mention the name and then get a recording and then shake so-and-so said about so-and-so and even in the question, the brother's name isn't even mentioned. Sheikh Mohammed bin Hadi said years ago that the people need to stop doing that. Bringing name, bringing general actions to the scholars, so-and-so, what do you shake, what do you say about an individual that does this? Then the Sheikh says something. And what if that same individual does this? Now the Sheikh is looking like, subhanAllah, somebody would do that and that? Well, this. Well, Sheikh, what about if you have a caller that he does that, this and that, and on top of that he does this? Next you know, subhanAllah, how the Khabith, this person's evil, this person never brought up his name, never took him with you so he could tell his side of the story, so the Sheikh can give direction and both to all parties that will bring about rectification, and thus forth and so on. Now it doesn't take an idiot to figure out that something's desperately wrong when people act like this. That this is, these are the actions of people that's trying to rectify one another? That is the equivalent of telling me you have a moon on a bridge you're trying to sell me. And I'm supposed to believe that. 
I'm supposed to believe that you're trying to keep a straight face and tell me uh, you have a moon on a bridge or a hotel on a bridge. You're trying to, uh, on a, a hotel on the moon. You're trying to sell me. So the reality is that's not from the methodology of the seller. That's not from the methodology of the seller, regardless of who says it is. Another point I want to take a little uh, look at, and I, I, I encourage brothers to be patient with me. I believe I've went over my time because when I asked the brother, he said 45 minutes, and I'm pretty sure what I just went over took 15 minutes. Tebdi, the, the, the portion of the subject where the Sheikh mentioned declaring to be an innovator, whoever does not declare to be an innovator, he, he who falls in the innovation. This action is not from the actions of the people of knowledge. Now, I know the logical question would be, Al-Angelus, why are you saying that? Why are you saying that's not from the actions of the people of knowledge? Because we find the people of knowledge differing sometimes over an individual. Where some of the scholars may be declaring the individual to be a mubtadi, and then other scholars may be saying, no, he's not a mubtadi. No, continue benefiting from him. And that's why for so and so, a, dis a disagreement arises amongst one group of scholars and another. And guess what? You don't find this other, this group of scholars that declare tabdi, saying those group of scholars that are defending the one that they made tabdi of are innovators now. You don't find that. You don't find Sheikh Rabi and Sheikh Ubay saying Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbah was an innovator because he didn't declare Abu Hassan al-Ma'arabi to be an innovator. You didn't find that. You didn't find that. And so it's important for us to understand, and this clip is on YouTube, but it's in Arabic, Sheikh Suleiman al-Ruhayli. When I first heard this clip, I listened to it from beginning to end, and I was amazed. I said, Subhanallah. I went and grabbed, I went and grabbed my notepad and, 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 and pen and replayed the clip and took notes. It was only like 15, maybe 20 minutes, but it was filled with benefits. Sheikh Suleiman al-Ruhayli, he explained the reasons why scholars may differ over a person. One scholar saying he's an innovator, the other scholar saying he's not. And so the first thing that he mentioned was that they, they differ over if the speech that's being attributed to the person is firmly established. Why? Because the people who's bringing the speech to the sheikh, one sheikh may look at these people as liars. I don't take nothing you guys are saying. I know who what you guys are about. Whereas the other scholar that, that accepted their statement doesn't look at them in that same way. And so now this scholar accepts what, he, what these people are bringing to him while the other scholar does not. Now keep in mind, all of, the scholar, all of these scholars involved are trying to be upon taqwa and trying to make sure that the Sunnah is defended and safeguarded. They all, they have genuine, and by, by Allah's permission, they have genuine intentions, or at least on the law here, they have genuine intentions. And I say at least on the law here because I don't know the intentions of men. But on the law here, they have genuine intentions. So this is one reason why they may differ. This group of people bought a khabar that they don't accept from these people, and, and the other scholar accepted it. That's the first. Then he said, too, but what if all of the, the scholars involved look at the people that's narrating the statement of the person as acceptable? Meaning, both groups of scholars, the one that says he, he's an innovator and the one that doesn't say he's an innovator, uh, innovator the people that bought the speech to them, they all affirm that he made that speech. Then he says that they fall into a di another different, if that's the case. Al-khilaf fi fahwa al-kalam. 
they differ on what was intended by the speech. And this is very important because some statements have ihtimalat, have multiple possibilities. And so it may be able to be understood one way or the other. Case in point. Case in point. A person says, you know, the Quran is not my thing. The Quran is not my thing. That statement has multiple possibilities. He could say, I don't, the Quran is not his thing. He doesn't believe in it. Or he could say, the Quran is not his thing, meaning he's not able to teach it. Or he hasn't mastered it. And thus forth and so on. There's multiple possibilities that can be, that, that statement can be understood multiple ways. So let's say, for instance, you have a student of knowledge whose reputation is one on amongst the people he seems to be striving to be reliable, striving to be trustworthy, striving to better himself, striving to memorize the book of Allah, striving to memorize as much hadith as possible, and striving to gain understanding of these two sources. Then a person comes to him and he says, you know, I need you to teach me the Quran. Can I sit with you? So you can teach me the Qur'an. And this student responds and he says, you know, the Qur'an is really not my thing. Th this, again, statement ha ha have multiple meanings. When you look at a person like I just described and then go back and say, he said the Qur'an is not his thing. He don't believe in the Qur'an. This is a state. This is a, a, a meaning to the statement that's that is uh, less probable for the type of person that was described. But unfortunately, you have some people with sicknesses in their heart that run away yelling that. They're running away yelling that. I've experienced things like that too. I make a statement. I tell one thing, and and, and a whole other, something else was derived from it. Something else was derived from it. This is the type of action of a person with a sick heart. Now, when we're going back to the scholars, of course, I don't, we don't view the scholars like that, but there's a statement that's made, and one scholar may be understanding it one way, and another scholar may be understanding it a different way. A different way. So that's how they may differ on an individual. But all scholars are trying to ascertain the truth and trying to make moves that will bring them closer to Allah. No, they, they don't have any ulterior motives in that regard. So that's the second thing. Then the third, if the meaning of the statement of a person is clear, it's only one thing that can be deduced. Then the scholars, they differ, as Sheikh Suleiman stated, they differ on the weightiness of the statement. Meaning, does his statement necessitate that we deal with him like this? Because some scholars may hold the opinion that now he should be warned against. And another scholar may say, yeah, I understand, he, I understood he made the mistake, but it's not that weighty that we should deal with him like that. When looking at the overall person, we shouldn't deal with him like that. We should deal with him in a different way. We should deal with him in a different way. And so these are the reasons why the scholars may differ over an individual. So is it far-fetched that students here in America may differ over an individual? If that's the case with the scholars and be looking at some of those same things... And if a student of knowledge disagrees with another student of knowledge on, on how he's dealing with the mistake of another, does that now automatically mean that that student of knowledge who doesn't agree with how the other is dealing with things is now soft and, and, and lightening the minhaj and all this other stuff? It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. And we're dealing with someone who is a Sunni Salafi, not some cat over on in a, in, a, in a temple you know claiming that 
claiming that Elijah Muhammad was Allah's messenger. We're not dealing with people like that. Or over in some masjid, turning out the lights and saying, who, 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 who. We're not talking about people like that. We're talking about people that have exemplified the sunnah. So to declare to be an innovator, he who does not declare a person who's fallen into innovation to be an innovator, that is not from the methodology of the Salaf. That is from the methodology of the Haddadi. And then, the last that I wanted to bring up, and in fact, I have some points of benefit with that, but I'm, I'm way over my time. And so we're going to suffice it with that, inshallah. Because right. my, 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 my thing when it comes to classes is that you don't, you don't have the people sitting for too long. After a while, people start to, you know, minds start to float off and things of that nature. So with that, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illa ant, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayh.